Once upon a time, there lived a girl named Mary, and an angel came to her one day and said, I'm having a baby. A baby? What kind of baby? Look like pumpkins. That's it? And frogs. Mary went to go tell Joseph, her husband, who she was marrying. I'm going to have a baby, and he's going to be the son of God, and I don't know what we're going to do about it. They traveled to Bethlehem to pay their taxes, and they probably didn't want to walk that far. They wanted a sports car. The rooms were full because it was Christmas Eve. They asked people, and they said there's nowhere to stay. Yes, I'm Joseph. Where do we stay? I have no idea. They asked the, um, the innkeeper, do you have any rooms? He said, no, I don't, but you can sleep in the, um, you can sleep in the barn. She was like, I'm not staying there. Is that the only place we can go? <laughs> Stinky. They said, okay, and then the ba- baby Jesus was born. The shepherds were out in the field. They take care of sheep. And it was Davis and his brothers and his dad, Jeffrey. No, wait, not Davis, Daniel. And then the angel showed, showed up and said um, that um, God's being born. And then they said, follow the star, follow the brightest star. You'll see the ba- you'll see baby Jesus. What else? Wise men were um, three kings from the east. And they saw this bright light. And it was when Jesus was born. They brought gifts to her. Metal presents, gold, something and something. Gold. Um, and... Frankenstein and... Bow. They look like metal. It's about Jesus. He wanted to love people and he wanted them to be happy. First he was a little baby, and then he started growing up to be a man, and then he was Jesus. He made us, and he loves us. He's God, and that's why we celebrate Christmas. Christmas is Santa's birthday. Welcome to Victory. Good to see you all here today and hope and pray you're enjoying this Christmas season and hope you're looking forward to our service tomorrow evening. I want to be sure that uh, everyone is aware of that. Our Christmas Eve service tomorrow evening at 6 o'clock. Make plans to come and be with us. Uh, We're really looking forward to that service and we'll have um, communion as well as uh, have a little candlelight service going on. So we're looking forward to that. So make plans now. Uh, to come and be with us. Some folks have asked, how long is it going to be? And I know you've got plans. We really try to stick to a tight schedule on Christmas Eve, and and I can't think of a time that we have ever gone over uh, the one-hour minute. Sometimes we let out a little bit early, but it's from it's from 6 to 7, and uh, we're going to try our best to get you out of here by 7 o'clock. Uh, and I know that kind of factors into all of your 
scheduling and your uh, what you have going on Christmas Eve. So make plans to come and be with us. Bring the whole family. Bring out-of-town guests and, and uh, join us uh, tomorrow evening at 6 o'clock. The good news is we don't have to tear down. We do not have to set up. We can leave everything just like it is until next Sunday. I have to tear down after next Sunday service, but we can leave it for tomorrow night and then for next Sunday. So uh, for all of our teardown crew, uh, you get today off. Our setup crew, you don't have to do anything tomorrow. And uh, we can come back in Sunday morning and uh, look forward to that service next week, okay? I saw uh, Daniel and Bev had their baby. Let me show off this baby. They, here they are. Look at this little baby. Is that not a precious gift from the Lord? Look at that. Little Haley Ann. Those lights are bright, aren't they? Six pounds and three ounces. Let's give Daniel and Bev a hand. And Beautiful. Beautiful little babe. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. Talked to Daniel the other day and he said he forgot that they don't sleep well when he first bring them home and <laughs> got to sit up late with them and all night. And, and uh, now he was telling me that. I don't know if he was doing that or Bev was doing that or what. But anyhow, well, congratulations, guys. Beautiful baby. And uh, you guys turn out pretty babies, so just keep turning them out, okay? <laughs> We'll keep showing them off, and uh, beautiful, beautiful baby, and grandparents up here are all proud today, and beautiful baby. All right, if you have your Bibles, open them up, please, to the book of Philippians. Take out your sermon notes, and we're going to be um, uh, jumping around in a lot of different places through the, uh, the Word of God this morning, but uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. This is Christmas, and uh, it's, all about, it's all about Jesus, and there's a lot of other things that Uh, that we pack into our schedules and into our lives over the Christmas season. But it's all about a baby born in Bethlehem. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. And uh, today I want to talk to you on the subject, what is in a name? Or what's in a name? And I want to talk to you a little bit about about the Lord Jesus Christ and and the name that was chosen um, by God for him. As we focus a little bit on that. Let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer before we even start this morning. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us, and we thank you for the wonderful Christmas season, a time, Lord, when we can uh, just acknowledge you and worship you in spirit and in truth, a time when really the whole world uh, celebrates, whether they know it or not, they're celebrating the birth of your Son, Jesus Christ, into, into this world. And Father, I pray today that, that we would focus on him and that we would celebrate him and, and that Jesus would remain the reason for the season in all of our lives. And, and Lord, I pray that you would do a work in all of our hearts and lives that only you can do. Uh, every need that is on everyone's heart today, I just pray, God, you'd meet that need. Uh, maybe there's someone here that needs encouragement. God, I pray you'd encourage them. Uh, maybe there's someone here that doesn't know you as their Savior. I pray that today they receive the greatest gift ever. Maybe there's someone here out of fellowship with you today, and, and I pray the, the ministry of reconciliation over them, and just pray that they'd be reconciled with you uh, this very day. Uh, whatever the needs are in this congregation, Lord, we place them before you, and Father, we ask that you would meet those needs. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen and amen. Let me ask you a question. What is in a name? Whenever we start thinking about our names and as far as our world today, names really do not have a tremendous amount of significance. 
that may be a few exceptions, but uh, not really a tremendous amount of significance. Matter of fact, we use a name as simply a title uh, to just designate one person from another, just so we can single uh, someone out. We use it as a way to tell uh, people who, apart from other people, places apart from other places, things apart from other things, they're just names, and for the most part, they have no real significance. He said, a rose by any other name would smell just as sweet. Would you agree? A rose by any other name would smell just as sweet. And his point was this, it's not all about a name. And that's the age that we live in today. And for us, there's really not a whole lot of significance. But in the biblical days, and in the Bible days, in that first century era, and especially in the Old Testament days, a name really meant something. As a matter of fact, a name stood for a person's reputation, it stood for their fame, it stood for their glory. Uh, parents took great, I guess, um, great uh, time and effort and diligence and, and preparation in preparing for the name of the child that was going to be born in the Old Testament days. They, a lot of times they would use a, a name that would describe their hopes for that child or their plan for that child or the future, or the expectations. As a matter of fact, the word translated name in the Old Testament really means a mark or a brand. And people were given names in the Old Testament for a reason. And it would mark who they were and mark what was going to take place in their life. As a matter of fact, a study of many different Bible names, it reveals much about them, the personality of those people that were mentioned in the Scripture. For instance, David means beloved. Abraham means father of a multitude. Jacob means a trickster. Goliath means splendor. And all these people, their life and their life story proved true to, to their name and what they were called. I want to draw your attention to the Word of God in, in Philippians chapter number 2 and verse 9 and verse through verse number 11. I want you to look at this passage of Scripture. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through verse number 11. The Word of God, let's read this together. The Bible says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Did you pay attention to the first part of that where it says that God has exalted him? And that's talking about his son. It's talking about Jesus Christ. God has exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name. Guys, you realize the name of Jesus is above every name that has ever been given. And in the Bible, Jesus has given many names and he's given many titles and it's a highly exalted name. And they're highly exalted titles. And every single one of the names and every single one of the titles that is given to the Lord Jesus Christ is an attribute of who he is. The life that he lived out, the character and the person that he really is. 
As a matter of fact, I sat in my office this past week and went through the alphabet from the letter A through the letter Z and then searched the Bible for names that would pair up with every letter of the alphabet. Let me give you a little bit of the attributes of Jesus and the names that are called him through the alphabet and just pulled straight from the Bible. For the letter A, he is Adam. He is the anointed. He is the apostle. He's the author. He's a man. He's the alpha and the ancient of days. He is altogether lovely. B, he is the beginning, the begotten, the beloved, the branch, the bridegroom, the bride and morning star, the bishop of our souls, the brightness of the father's glory. He's the captain, the consolation, the chief cornerstone, the counselor, the covenant, the chosen of God. He is Christ. He's our daysman. He's our deliverer. He's our day star. He's the door and he's the desire of all nations. He's the elect, the everlasting father. He is Emmanuel. He's the fairest of 10,000, the finisher of our faith. He's our friend. He's our first fruits. He's the faithful witness. He's the fountain of life. He is God. He's the gift of God. He's the governor. He's the God. He's the glorious Lord. He's our help, our hope, our horn of salvation. He's the head of the church. He's the heir of all things. He is our high priest. He is hell's dread. He's heaven's wonder. He is the Holy One. He is the I am. He is the inheritance. He is the image of God's persons. He is immortal. He is Judah. He is just. He is the judge. He is Jesus. He is king everlasting. He's king of Israel. He's king of kings and he's king of glory. He is life. He's light. He's love. He's the lily. He's the lion. He's the lamb. He's the lawgiver. He's the living stone. He's the Lord of glory. Every one of these you can find in the word of God. For him, he's the messenger. He's the Messiah. He's the mediator. He's the master. He's the mighty God. In, he is a Nazarene. Oh, he's the offspring of David. He's the omega. He's the only begotten of the father. He's the offering and the offerer. For the letter P, he is our priest. He's the Passover. He's a prophet. He's a propitiation. He's the prince of life, the prince of peace, the physician. He's quick to hear. He's and he quiets our souls. He's righteous. He's our rabbi. He's a ransom. He's rest. He's the root of Jesse, the root of David. He's the refiner. He's our refuge. He's our resurrection. He is the rose of Sharon. The letter S. He is our stone. He's the shepherd. He's the son of God, the son of man, the shield, the servant, the seed of the woman, the sufferer, the savior, the sinless sacrifice, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The letter T, he is our teacher. He's the truth. He's the tabernacle. He's the treasurer. He's the tree of life. The letter U, he's unbelievably unique. Had to slide that one in. The letter V, he is victorious. He's the valiant one. The letter W, he's wonderful. The witness, the word, the way, the wisdom of God. I had with the letter X, so I just put that he is extremely faithful and extremely dependable. Bear with me on that one. The letter Y, he is yesterday's sacrifice. He's today's savior. And the letter Z, he is zealous to have a relationship with you. Guys, you realize we can go through the entire alphabet and we can find attributes of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I guess of all the names that are given, of all the ones that I've just shared with you this morning, there is no name as precious. There is no name as wonderful. There is no name as majestic as the name of Jesus. And what I want us to do this morning, I want us to pause right now and I want us to sing a little bit about that name. Will you stand with me this morning? Jesus, 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 there's just something about that. 
the fragrance after the Y'all know it real well. Let's sing through it again. Here we go. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus. The fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 little heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. Yes, kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about This morning we are here to worship you and we're here to put you in the center of our lives and of our ministry and our church and our Christmas season. And yes, Lord, it is all about you. The wonderful name of Jesus continue to meet with us in Jesus name. We pray. Amen. You can be seated in Matthew's gospel, chapter one in verse 18 down through verse number 21. Let me share this passage of scripture with you. Uh, it's another um, Another passage that's dealing with the Christmas story. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 18 through 21, the scripture says this. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after... He had considered this, an angel of the Lord came to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This morning, I'd like to share with you four thoughts about the wonderful name of Jesus. So if you have your pen, if you will, please take it out and fill in the very first blank. The first thought I want to share with you is that the name of Jesus is a special name. The name of Jesus is a special name. 
And some reasons why it is a special name. First of all, number one, it was a name that was picked by the father. Listen to the angelic messenger when she came to Mary and Joseph. And she says in verse number 21, she will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Guys, do you realize that Joseph and Mary, they did not pick the name for their child. Their child's name was handpicked by God the Father. And the reason it was is because he, Jesus, the person of God incarnate in the flesh, was to carry out a special purpose and a special calling, and the name needed to match the life and the sacrifice that was going to be given. There was tremendous significance that was given to this name, the name Jesus. It was a special name because it was handpicked by God himself. That in and of itself should be reason enough for us to further investigate the person of Jesus Christ. Would you agree? It was a name that was picked by the Father. Another reason I believe it was special because it points back to the Father. The name Jesus just simply points back to the Father. The name Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. And the name reveals a side of Jesus that many people fail to grasp. While God is a God of wrath, while he is of God of judgment, he's also of God of, of pure and whole love. He's a God that loves you. He's a God that loves me. He's a God that loves this sin-cursed world. And he named his son Jesus because it's going to point back to the love that he has for the entire world. As a matter of fact, in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8 and verse number 16, the Bible says this, Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Guys, you realize that God is love. And everything that he does is an expression of his love to you and to me. Matter of fact, whenever he sent his son to this world... He was born as a baby. He was named Jesus, which simply means Jehovah is salvation. All of that points back to the Father, and it reveals His love to all of mankind. you got to remember, before the angelic messenger came, before the birth announcement of the Lord Jesus Christ, there were 400 silent years where God did not speak, where God did not give a, a raise up a prophet to speak after the prophet Malachi. The people had thought that God had forgotten them. The people had thought that the judgment and the wrath of God was surely to come. But that was not the case at all. As a matter of fact, it was in that moment when the angel came to Joseph and Mary and said, This child that has been conceived in you has been conceived by the Holy Spirit of God. Do not put her away. And I want you to call his name Jesus because he is Jehovah God incarnate and he is going to redeem the world. The message that he said that day is this. I have not forgotten you. I still love you. And my wrath is not going to fall on you. I'm going to make a way where you can be reconciled unto me. I'm going to build a bridge. And he built it through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It points back to the father and it reveals the true essence of our God, that he is a God of love. Amen. Yes, he's a God of wrath. 
His love, his love justifies and, and, and really dictates to him that he has to be a God of wrath and judgment. But the God that he is, he's a God of love. And whenever he sent his son into the world, he was simply saying, I haven't forgotten you. I love you. I'm going to redeem you. And I'm going to give you my son. And you're going to call his name Jesus because he is salvation for the entire world. The third thing, the reason why I believe it's a special name, not only does it, it is it handpicked by the Father, not only does it point back to the Father, but it paints God's picture. It paints God's picture. You see, the name of Jesus, at once it reveals the Son's mission, and at the same time reveals the Father's intent or His heart. Let me share some scripture with you that proves that very point. We see where the son's mission is revealed in Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10, which says the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. The entire mission of Jesus was to come and die. Do you realize that baby was born so that that baby could die? Hello? Do you realize baby Jesus that came has grown up now? He is a man. He has died on the cross already. He was buried three days. He came out of the tomb victorious. He is fulfilling his mission that God the Father gave him. The son's mission is come is to come and seek and save that which was lost. But at the same time, it paints a picture of the father's heart, which is found in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, he is patient with you. If that doesn't paint a picture of our Father's heart, I don't know what does. He is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but everyone, everyone to come to repentance. Oh, that we had a bit of God's patience. Oh, that I had a bit of God's patience. He's patient. By sending His Son, Jesus, yes, it reveals the Son's mission. But at the same time, it paints a beautiful picture of our Father's heart. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He's long-suffering. He waits patiently for you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Despite what many naysayers may proclaim about our God. Despite what many preachers preach across the pulpits of America, our God is not in the damning business. Can I get a witness? He is in the saving business. It breaks the heart of our God when someone dies lost in an unrepented shape and condition. That's not the reason He sent His Son. It defies every purpose about our God. But we see in Jesus coming, it paints a beautiful picture of the Son's mission, and that was to seek and to save everyone that would call upon Him and believe in Him. And it paints a beautiful picture of the heart of our God, that He is patient and long-suffering and is willing to wait patiently for you to get to the place where we repent of our sins. When we ask His Son Jesus to come into our life. You see, the goal of our God is salvation for all mankind. That's His goal. He wants everyone to be saved. He wants everyone to come to know His Son Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. So the name of Jesus is a special name. Secondly, jot this one down if you will, please. Not only is it a special name, but it is a saving name. 
It's a saving name. Let me give you a few passages of Scripture that, that backs up that thought there. In, in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, the Bible says that salvation is found in no one else. Get that? Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name, no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Guys, do you realize that salvation comes in and through the Lord Jesus Christ? No other name that we can call on and be saved except the name Jesus. In John chapter 20 and verse number 31, but these are written, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. God's salvation does not come through your good works. Salvation does not come through your baptism. Salvation does not come through taking communion. Salvation does not come through a church membership or through paying tithe or, or through just being a good moral person. Salvation only comes through the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He himself said this in John fourteen six: I am the way, the truth, the life. And no man comes to the Father. Except through me. Hello? You've heard the expression that all roads lead to Rome? That may have been true in Rome's day. And people have taken that expression and they brought it to the spiritual realm. And they'll say all religions lead to heaven. My friends, that is not a true statement. All roads and all religions will not lead you to heaven. You see, you can be a religious person and still miss heaven. It's not about being religious. It's not about a denomination. Matter of fact, it's not about being Baptist. Some people ask me, do you believe that Baptists or free will Baptists are going to be the only ones in heaven? My friends, if that's the case, heaven will be a sad place. Free will Baptists can't get along with each other here on earth. That's going to be a miserable place in heaven if it's only Baptist. You've driven through the towns, maybe you haven't, but if you've been in the south, you've driven through the towns, you've seen First Baptist Church, you've seen the Second Baptist Church. I was even in one town and I saw the Third Baptist Church. Let me tell you what happened. First Baptist Church couldn't get along, so they decided they would go into church planning movement and start another one and call themselves the Second Baptist. Well, they couldn't get along there either, so there was another movement group that moved out and started the Third Baptist Church. I just heard about a church back home, and I had to laugh when I heard about this. There was a church that left a particular church, a group of people that left a particular church, and they went off to start their own church. You know what they named their church? Harmony Baptist Church. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, listen, it's not just going to be bad. Matter of fact, let me share this with you. There are a lot of free will Baptists that think they're going to be the only ones in heaven. And so the Lord will put them on the sixth floor. So when you're on the elevator and you're going by the sixth floor, please be quiet and be kind. Because they think they're the only ones there. Heaven's going to be filled with all people from all walks of life. From all, Listen, it's not about a denomination. It's not about being Baptist or Lutheran or Methodist or Catholic. It's about having a relationship with the Son of God, with Jesus Christ Himself, and, and realizing that we have sinned, and He paid His sin debt, and we are repenting of our sins. We're inviting Him into our heart. Then we can make heaven our home. But salvation only comes... 
through the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Not through Victory Church, not through First Baptist Church and Brother Dwayne Smith here in Muscuta, a great man of God, a faithful man of God, declaring the word of God every Sunday. A wonderful man, but it's not through his church. It's not through this church. It's not through any other church. It's only through Jesus. Hello? It's only through Jesus. It's that saving name. Thirdly, the name of Jesus is a satisfying name. Not only is the name of Jesus a special name and a saving name, but it's also a satisfying name. I promise you guys, if you would try Jesus Christ, he'll bring satisfaction to your soul. He will be all you need. Jesus is all we need. He satisfies our thirst and our hunger. I'm reminded of what the scripture says in Psalm 42. In verse 1 and 2, as the deer pants for streams of water. You deer hunters know what I'm talking about. Danny, you know what I'm talking about. I was raised in the country. I've seen the deer. I've heard them pant. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for the things of God? Does your soul pant? To know Him? You know, I remember early on, I've shared this with someone in the office the other day. And I remember early on, whenever I, somebody asked, how would you get into ministry? How would you become a pastor? I didn't start out to do that. That wasn't my goal. It wasn't my plan. It wasn't my intent. I didn't leave my mother's house and marry my high school sweetheart and stay married to her all these years so that one day I could be a pastor. No. I had a hunger and a thirst for God. And I wanted more of Him and more of Him and more of Him. And I wanted to be closer to Him and closer to Him. And I wanted to learn of Him and learn of Him. My soul was panting For God to meet with Him, to have Him involved in my life, to allow Him to be the Lord of my life. One thing led to another, and this is where God landed me. And I'm not saying when you thirst for God, you'll be a pastor. That is not what I'm saying. But God will lead you to places that may be completely out of your thought process. He may have some plans for your life that are not your plans. The Word of God says that His ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Does your soul pant for Him? I promise you if it does, then you're going to enjoy Psalm 107, verse 8 and 9. Because we can give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for men. Why? For He satisfies the thirsty 
And he fills the hungry with good things. Listen, guys, there's satisfaction in Jesus. And I just hope that we're hungry for him. I hope your, your soul is thirsting for him. Because there's satisfaction there. And you know something, guys? Unfortunately, a lot of people in our world, they're hungering after something. They're thirsting after something. And they're trying everything that the world has to offer to satisfy their sin-sick soul. They'll try alcohol. They'll try drugs. They'll try sex. They'll try numerous other things in this world. But nothing ever will satisfy you like Jesus. As your soul is thirsting, I've got good news. He satisfies the thirsty. Amen? He satisfies the thirsty. He fills the hungry. And at the name of Jesus, thousands of people over the periods of years and times and centuries have called on the name of Jesus. And thousands of people through their sorrow and their hardships and whatever they're facing in life, have found satisfaction in that name. So if you're here today and your soul is longing for something and thirsting for something, I want to ask you to give Jesus a try. Give Him your being. Give Him who you are. Give Him every ounce of yourself. Allow Him to not only be the Savior of your life, but allow Him to be the Lord of your life and allow Jesus to take control of your life. And I promise you, when you do that, you'll be satisfied. Hello? The fourth thing we see about this name, and in closing, it is a strengthening name. Not only is it a satisfying name, it is a strengthening name. It's a name that brings strength. Psalm 27 in verse number 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold, or is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? In Psalm 84 in verse 5, said, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. Listen, guys, there's strength in the name of Jesus. I remember the beautiful story, and it's found in the book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. I have it in your notes there. But there was a man there that was from his mother's womb, was crippled, and he was laying there. From birth, he was crippled. He was laying at the temple gates. And one day, Peter and John came down through there, and the crippled man was asking for alms. He was begging for money. Can you help a poor crippled man with some gold and with some silver? Many were dropping their coins in there, but... You know what? After year after year after year of this man laying at the gate asking for money, money did not bring strength to him. Money did not bring healing to him. Money did not satisfy him. He was still there in his crippled state, dissatisfied with life, in a miserable condition. But thank God he called out to two men of God. Peter and John happened to be walking by that day and he said, Hey boys, can you help a poor cripple? They looked at him like most preachers do and said, silver and gold have a none. Silver and gold have a none, but this I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. It says immediately he rose up and he started walking. And you know what happened right after that? He went leaping and praising God and worshiping the Lord. Listen, guys, you think he was satisfied? Oh, yeah. 
You think he was strengthened? Oh yeah. There's satisfy, there's satisfaction and there's strength that can be found in the name of Jesus. I remember years ago, before we had any kids, Deb and I had been married about a year and a half when she was diagnosed with cancer. Lymphoma cancer. She had tumors literally growing out of her eye. She went to one eye doctor and, and he said it must be a sty or a cyst or something and, and we'll just do surgery and cut it out. And, and I'm telling you, she pulled her eye down and they were layered like little hot dog cells in her eye. And they, her eye would mat up at night and, and she would spend almost nearly an hour trying to get her eye straightened out so she could go to work. And finally went to another doctor and thank God for this doctor. He said, I don't have a clue what that is. Thank God for some doctors that say, hey, I don't know. He said, but what I'll do, I'll take a little biopsy of it and we'll send it off to Duke Medical Center. By the way, I'm giving you my testimony why Duke is so special to me. He sent them them off to, to Duke Medical Center. They got word back immediately. The cells are cancerous cells. Get down here immediately. And so my wife and her mother, I was working for UPS that day, driving my truck and on my route. And they took off and went to Durham, North Carolina. They diagnosed her with lymphoma cancer. And for six weeks, for six weeks, she had to stay down there and take radiation directly into the eye. Now, here's the thing about that. In that day, they had never given radiation directly into the eye. She was the very first one ever that radiation was given directly into the eye for cancerous cells. They had to make her from scratch create a lead contact lens that she would put on her eye as they were given this radiation to hopefully protect. But the doc, the, the outcome and, and, and the report from the doctors was no guarantees. We're not guaranteeing anything. Matter of fact, the report from them was doom and gloom for us. Everything was doom and gloom. We did not get one positive report. You know what? When I heard that my wife had cancer, I called the men of the church together. And we went to Daniel Honeycutt's house. He was a deacon in our church at that time. And we knelt at his bed, or in his living room by his chair and his couch. And we started praying. Long story short, I won't go where I could go there, but we started praying and I said, guys, pray for me. Then now we got to pray for Debbie. And we prayed for her and I got up from that day believing that God could heal her and hoping and praying it would be his will, surrendering my life to him. And you know what we found as we went through those weeks and weeks of radiation and we've got picture in the top of a bell tower at Duke in the chapel and we got pictures there of where my wife was there and the whole side of her face was as red as some of you ladies' shirts that you're wearing today. And the other side was white, just burnt from the radiation. But you know what we did? We went to God's Word. and we went to the Lord in prayer and started calling on the name of Jesus. And I kept reading the Scripture about how Jesus would rebuke those that had little faith. And he'd say, oh, ye of little faith, why are you worrying? Why are you doubting? Trust me. Trust me. 
And we started calling on the name of Jesus. You know what we found? We found satisfaction, but we also found strength. And we found the strength we needed to deal with whatever it was that was going to be the outcome of my wife having cancer. Now, thankfully, the Lord healed her of cancer. The doctors will say it's in remission. No, I say he healed her. I say it's gone. Amen? But here's what we know. There's strength in the name of Jesus. You see, you may be facing some things, whether it's finances, whether it's physical, whether it's in relationships, whether it's emotional, whatever it is in your life, you may be facing some things right now. And you may not know what to do. I know what to do. You need to call on the name of Jesus. Hello? It is a satisfying and a strengthening name. And all you need to do is get into the Bible. Get into God's Word. And you know what you'll find? You'll find Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. There is a scarlet thread that runs through the Bible. I preach a message sometime, mainly when I go off and preach revival meetings or camp meetings. I preach a message called the bloodline. And there is a bloodline, there is a trail of Jesus from the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 15, which is the first pro-evangelical that we find in the Word of God, the first prophecy of Jesus Christ Himself in Genesis chapter 3. And it runs through the entire Word of God. Every single book, you'll find Jesus. Let me share something with you real quickly about how you'll find Jesus in every book. In Genesis, He is the Creator God. In Exodus, He is our Redeemer. Leviticus, He is our sanctification. In Numbers, He's our God. In Deuteronomy, He is our teacher. In Joshua, He's our mighty conqueror. In Judges, He gives victory over enemies. In Ruth, He is your kinsman, Redeemer. In 1 Samuel, He's the root of Jesse. 2 Samuel, He's the son of David. In 1 and 2 Kings, He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In 1 and 2 Chronicles, He is your intercessor and your high priest. In Ezra, he is your temple, your house of worship. In Nehemiah, he is your mighty wall protecting you from your enemies. In Esther, he stands in the gap to deliver you. In Job, he is the arbitrator who not only understands your struggles, but has the power to do something about them. In Psalms, he is your song and your reason to sing. In Proverbs, he is your wisdom, helping you make sense of life and live it successfully. In Ecclesiastes, he is your purpose, delivering you from vanity. In the Song of Solomon, he is your lover. He is your rose of Sharon. In Isaiah, he's the mighty counselor, the prince of peace, the everlasting father, the mighty God. In short, he is everything that you need. In Jeremiah, he is your balm of Gilead, the soothing ointment for your sin-sick soul. In Lamentations, he is the ever-faithful one upon whom you can depend. In Ezekiel, he is your will in the middle of the will, the one who assures that dry, dead bones will and can come alive again. In Daniel, he is the ancient of days, the everlasting God who never runs out of time. In Hosea, he is your faithful lover, always beckoning you to come back when you have abandoned him. In Joel, he is your refuge, keeping you safe in times of trouble. In Amos, he is the husbandman, the one that you can depend to stand by your side. In Obadiah, he is the Lord of the kingdom. In Jonah, he is your salvation, bringing you back within his will. In Micah, he is the judge of the nations. In Nahum, he is the jealous God. In Habakkuk, he is the holy one. In Zephaniah, 
He is the witness. In Malachi, he is merciful. Are you ready for some New Testament stuff? In Matthew, he's the kingdom of heaven. In Mark, he is the tireless servant of God. In Luke, he's the beloved physician. In John, he's the revelation of God. In Acts, he's the power of Pentecost, the savior of the world. In Romans, he is my salvation. In 1 Corinthians, he is the cleansing of the church. In 2 Corinthians, he is the triumph over death and the call of separation. In Galatians, he is he is liberty and he sets you free. In Ephesians, he's the head of the church. He is your spiritual armor. In Philippians, he is your joy. In Colossians, he is your completeness. In 1 Thessalonians, he is the duty that we are to perform. In 2 Thessalonians, he is our confidence. In 1 Timothy, he is our mediator. In 2 Timothy, he is our stability. In Titus, he is our blessed hope and our grace for our salvation. In Philemon, he's your benefactor. In Hebrews, he's the resting place for your faith. In James, he's the power behind your faith. In 1 Peter, he's your victory over suffering. In 2 Peter, he is your purity. In 1 John, he's your life, your light, and your righteous love. In 2 John, he is your truth. In 3 John, he is your motivation. In Jude, he is the foundation of your faith. And in Revelation, he is the bright and shining light in heaven that all are adoring, that all are bowing down before. He is your soon coming king. We need to give him praise this morning. Give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. He's everything you need. He's everything you need. And this Christmas season, I hope and I pray that you are looking to the, to the man that has a name above every name. The man, Jesus Christ. Because all through the world, listen, from the beginning of the world until its end, there is no place that you can look and not see Jesus. He is everywhere. Do you know him? Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for Jesus. And we thank you, God, for all that he is to each and every one of us. He's everywhere. He has a wonderful name. He's a wonderful person. God, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. It's where we find our salvation. It's where we find satisfaction. It's where we find our strength. I pray that you'd speak to hearts even now. And if there's someone here that's out of fellowship with you, I pray right now they would call on you. They would call on that name above every name. For someone here that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray they'd call on you. That name. Above every name. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What's in a name, guys? What's in a name? If that name is John Cannon, there's not very much in it. But if that name is Jesus, there's everything that you've ever hoped for, that you've ever dreamed for, that you've ever needed. It can all be found in the name of Jesus. Because in that name, there's the source of our salvation. In that name, there's hope 
for every single one of our hearts. His name can break sin's bondage. It can cool a feathered brow. His name can lift the greatest burdens. His name can comfort the broken hearts. His name is worth knowing because it speaks of a Savior who is worth loving. His name is everything. His name unlocks the door of heaven. And I like this. His name closes the gates of hell. Amen. Wonderful name. His name saves the vilest sinner. His name redeems the blackest soul. His his name secures the precious saved. Do you know him? If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, I pray that today, this Christmas season, two days before Christmas, may you receive the greatest gift that has ever been given to all mankind. That's the person, Jesus Christ. You say, well, how do I do that? You've got to realize that you're a sinner. Realize that, that you sin. You've missed the mark. On your very best day, you've still sinned. And it's not enough to get you to heaven. And realize that Jesus came into this world and he lived for 33 and a half years and lived a sinless life. Sinless. And he died on the cross. And Isaiah 53 says that the Lord God Jehovah laid on him, Jesus, the sins, the iniquities of us all. And that day, Jesus paid your sin debt. He paid my sin debt. He suffered your shame and my shame. He suffered your hell and my hell. And he did that because he loves you. We've all sinned. The only difference between a Christian and a sinner, an unbeliever, is that for the child of God, our sins are under the blood of Jesus. For the unbeliever, he stands there in his sins. That's it. When God looks over the portals of heaven, he sees two men. He sees Adam, the first Adam, in a fallen nature. Or he sees the second Adam, his son Jesus Christ, in a redeemed state. And he sees you in one of the two. And it all hinges on what have you done with Jesus. Will you call on him today? Will you reestablish your relationship with him today? Does your soul thirst for him? If it does, satisfaction is in that name. Whatever your decisions are today, will you please let us know by indicating on your connection cards as you make decisions right now. And we will follow up with you. But mainly, I like to take all of those and pray over them. And just pray God's blessings on your life. Will you call on the name of Jesus and receive the greatest gift ever given? You won't be disappointed. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name, Master.